We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. 
Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. I'm Jake Letarski, joined today by Eric Katuria. If you are out there on Twitter, you can find Eric at ETCAT30. You can find myself at JakeSki52. It is Tuesday, September 15th. Eric, to get started here, now that Monday night football is over, how you faring in your leagues after week one? So uh, I'm at the top of the field in two leagues and at the bottom in the other two. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's kind Peaks of 50-50. And Peaks and valleys, you're right. <laughs> I'm two and three myself, but I am the top scorer in one of the leagues that I won. Yep. Caught some tough breaks, but at the same time, I have got a lot of shares of Arian Foster, Todd Gurley, um, CJ Spiller, Mike Evans, or Mike Evans especially, probably Gurley and Foster, the fact that I'm having to wait on that, I expected some bumps and bruises. Then you mix those with Evans injuries and even some Gates injuries for me. And I, I'm being patient. I'm looking to maybe squeak into the playoffs and make a deep run. Uh, yeah, and I was convinced too that I, you know, had Des Bryant in many a league. And then I looked mm-hmm. at my team a- after the results and I didn't draft him once. Yeah. At all. Oh, man. It was only in DFS lineups that I suffered like that. that yeah. There we go. Yeah, I, yeah. Didn't do so bad in there. I was pretty busy week one, so the lineups were limited. Hopefully, hoping yeah. to get uh, more in on the action here in these future weeks. But anyway, folks, uh, today we'll be uh, dedicated to a more traditional one podcast from here on out. We're going to recap the Monday night football games every Tuesday, and then additionally, Eric and I are going to go through all the waiver wire pickups, position by position. To help you get ahead, it's a very important uh, week one because you got to get get a jump on some of those, especially if you know your team has needs in a certain area if you punted a position on draft day. Uh, one last thing before we get started, the podcast is now available for subscription on iTunes and Stitcher, so please leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening on those platforms. We're going to start things off today with the Monday Night Football Recap. We'll start with the first game there where the Philadelphia Eagles fell to the Atlanta Falcons on the road 26 26- 224. We'll kind of start on the Eagles side because, well, I mean, both of these teams have a whole lot of fantasy, very fantasy relevant players, high ownership percentages. But let's start with this Eagles offense that is uh, expected to be the next big, big thing here. Sam Bradford attempted 52 passes in the game. The run game, obviously, very inconsistent, despite DeMarco Murray owners still getting two touchdowns. Had a nice day from Jordan Matthews. A few other things. What what are your uh, initial observations of this game? Do you think Bradford continues that high quantity of passes, uh, the running back situation? Anything come to mind immediately here? Yeah, I chalked up the high uh, pass attempt total, which was actually 52 for Bradford, to just falling behind early, 20-3 to three at halftime. Mm-hmm. They had to look pass and or ensure that their possessions lasted as short as possible so they couldn't really you know focus on the running game because obviously the that would have taken up a lot of clock in the second half mm-hmm. um yeah the 52 to 16 pass to run ratio is definitely going to get closer to 50 50 may, maybe more like 55 45 as mm-hmm. the season goes on but uh yeah whenever they fall if they do fi- fall behind quickly this is probably what you can expect from them Mm-hmm. Yeah, this type of offense, when they're in games and and competitive, I think they do want to run the ball a lot, open up a lot of those, not necessarily well, zone reads, but running lanes and, and, and left and right and whatnot. And especially due to the relative depth, too, that they have with DeMarco Murray, Ryan Matthews, mm-hmm. and Darren Sproles, they definitely want to like get all those guys involved as much as possible. And, yeah, and having Murray only run, uh, 
not even reach 10 carries. Yeah. What was he at again? Eight carries for nine yards. There he is. Did yeah. uh, run one in and caught the only uh, Sam Bradford touchdown pass. There. Yeah, so d- despite the lack of touches, he salvages his day with those touch- touchdowns, mm-hmm. you know. So. Yeah, absolutely. Darren Sproles actually led the entire squad in rushing five attempts for 50 yards. Sproles also tacked on seven catches on nine targets for 76 yards. Uh, sneak preview here we'll talk about him a little bit more later in the show again Murray eight rushes for nine yards not spectacularly efficient and Ryan Matthews three rushes for four yards but he also managed to vulture a touchdown speaking of vulture touchdowns I know Murray got one that could have and should have went to Jordan Matthews uh I'm gonna go ahead and <laughs> much do to your Jordan. chagrin right yeah much to my chagrin I mean I had a Bradford Matthews combo going in in two season-long leagues I was very high on them this year as well as in the daily contest that I was doing uh, I was I was impressed with Matthews smaller price tag here uh, Matthews still with a good day 10 catches 102 yards of course robbed of that touchdown uh, with the combos I had robbed of 10 points a lot of targets by far led the team in targets and you know one touchdown short of potentially one of the bigger fantasy games of week one now Took a tough break when he dropped a pass on the last Eagles offensive play of the game that yeah. was eventually uh, went down as an interception there. So Bradford did throw two interceptions on the day. That last one probably wasn't his fault. Uh, you still high on Matthews as a as a top receiver the rest of the way out? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So his catch mm-hmm. percentage in this game was 10 of 13, 77%, which is you know pretty ridiculous. Um, during the last eight games of last year, he was actually sitting at 69% or 35 of 51. So... Yeah, like this is not out out of the realm of possibility for him to be that high, um, and he should be easily the like highest targeted guy among the receiving core, right? Offense. Yes, I mean the uh, the average wasn't necessarily there, but I'm really excited if I own Matthews in a PPR format because sure. they seem to like to go to him to a lot of screens on the outside and even on, on his would-be touchdown play that he actually did score on that kind of started as a short dump off where he was able to get up field fast so yeah. very encouraging for me yeah especially in a rhythm-based offense yeah like most of his targets are probably going to be of the short variety but he'll get a lot of them yeah yeah right on there uh, uh any anyone else in the uh eagles receiving core that really stand out to you uh after this after this week i would say only zach Ertz. it was actually surprising that he got eight right eight targets in this game yep so he's only surpassed that twice in his career mm-hmm. including last year in week 16 when he had 15 catches on 18 targets yeah, 115 that yards that yeah. was a ridiculous game mm-hmm. but uh yeah I don't know if I actually see that being a consistent thing like I, I want to take a wait and see approach and see if it actually yep. does come to fruition on a week on a weekly basis yeah the way I see it he can only go up from here because he was yeah. questionable for the contest heading in so I don't know if he was limited in any capacity Selleck was on the field quite a bit he also drew a holding penalty I think I'm not sure how much of a difference that makes but on one of the go-ahead or one of the uh Scoring drives that brought the Eagles back into it saw him lay out w- for a professional tight end, like a Jimmy Ram type tight sure. end catch, full extension. Um, you know, maybe a little overthrown, but Bradford uh, putting the ball where he could get it, and that's very encouraging. I think we see steady improvement on a week to week basis, and who knows what happens when he's fully healthy. Yeah, it was nice to see a lot of young tight ends in the league actually finally break out. Like Tyler Eifert had a pretty ridiculous game for the Bengals as well mm-hmm. you know two touchdown performance yep, many we'll catches get, yeah. a lot of targets you bet and we'll get to a few more tight end options in the uh in the latter half when we discuss the waiver wires yep. well, let's move around move on to Atlanta we, I mean the Eagles get all the talk for fantasy but Atlanta actually went ahead won the football game here uh Matt Ryan 23 for 34 298 yards 
two touchdowns, two interceptions. Pretty solid day for him. I mean, only a 48.7 QBR, so not the greatest, but he still provided a pretty useful fantasy day. The biggest fantasy story is his favorite target and will continue to be all season. That's Julio Jones, who caught nine of his 11 targets for 141 yards and two touchdowns. And I don't know exactly how many plays this happened on, but several of his nice screen passes got called back due to uh, due, due to holding calls. I think, I don't know, Hankerson and White might have uh, mixed in there. Sorry if I'm accusing the wrong person here. But he very well could have had a 160 to 180-yard receiving day. Uh, and, and this is going to be very typical um, moving forward the rest of the season, correct? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, he's easily the number one target here. But I really liked Roddy White's performance, too. Uh, four mm-hmm. catches on eight targets. And he actually averaged, I believe, 21 yards per catch with a long of 25. So all of his receptions for Roddy White that is mm-hmm. were you know of decent length. Yeah, and when you have Julio Jones underneath, he even I think Roddy White's 33, he's a veteran, everyone knows his name, but that might open some more lanes for him outside and possibly more single coverage. And another thing with White too, he actually looked far more crisp than he did the last 2 years when he actually missed 5 games due to injury. Mm-hmm. He he looked as healthy as I've ever seen or you know, as healthy as I've seen him in like three years, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that, that bodes well for his output this year. Yeah. Eric, what about the running back situation here? Tevin Coleman, pretty much uh, the starter ended up with 20 carries for 80 yards, uh, followed by Devonta Freeman, 10 carries, just 18 yards, obviously a lot less efficient, pretty much going right in line with the depth chart there. Do you attribute some of this to Freeman maybe being a little bit banged up, or you think Tevin Coleman's the guy moving forward? Yeah, he was uh, limited in practice during the week due to, due to hamstring injury, that mm-hmm. Freeman that is. So I, I'm I'm interested to see actually how this breaks down when Freeman is finally healthy. So Coleman had 22 touches. Freeman at 14 is that going to be are they both going to get in the upper teens once you know they're both there I mean is it going to be a pure timeshare or what yeah you you, you want to like you want this to be hashed out at some point but in the early going I guess Coleman looks like the guy yeah I, I would say so based on week one it's tough to expect uh, a rookie like Coleman or any rookie really to tote the ball 250 times in his year so I think they're going to try to spell him with Freeman and that might get a little bit closer as Freeman gets healthier Freeman's kind of that explosive one cut type player that can make those big plays and that's really tough to do with a hamstring injury and and and, and, but he should get some chances to do it moving forward Freeman is also the favorite option in PPR formats too he he's going to be the guy who's catching passes out of the backfield among the two he had four catches Mm -hmm. with the you know, bulky hamstring in this game. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, that's encouraging as well. Yeah, personally, I, I'd give it a couple weeks before I start Freeman, yeah. of course, analyzing matchups. But I think it'll get closer to an even split eventually. They could very well be riding the hot hand in, yeah. in a lot of situations. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on over to the late, late uh, game here, all the way over on the West Coast. Minnesota uh, heading on over to San Francisco to take on Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers. Uh, we'll start with the big headliner from this story. Carlos Hyde, 26 carries, 168 yards, two touchdowns against the Vikings defense that I thought was going to be improving a lot this year. But that offensive line and Carlos Hyde's ability to read his blockers, change directions, that spin move is pretty vicious, and just maul over would-be tacklers was very impressive here. Uh, Do you think he can keep up anywhere near this pace the rest of the way out here, or or was this kind of a a high-energy week one performance that uh, you can expect more modest totals moving forward? Well, yeah, so Minnesota last year, they actually allowed the eighth-most rushing yards in the league 
Um, I don't know if you realize that, but mm-hmm. they did. Yep. They had uh, they allowed five 100 rushing. 100 yard rushing performances uh those are Stephen Ridley Eddie Lacy both times Matt mm-hmm. and Matt Forte Matt Forte sorry only four 100 yard uh rushers but Alfred Morris and Lamar Miller almost reached that threshold so um almost half the season well, well a little over a third of the season rather they were allowing 100 yard rushers so I, I guess the outing isn't that much of a surprise um it's interesting to, that we had to wait until the very final game of the week to actually have the highest rushing game, rushing total game in Carlos Hyde, though. Yeah, absolutely helped. I believe the DraftKings millionaire maker yeah. winner had a nice uh, – was staying up late sweating, waiting for Carlos Hyde to have a huge <laughs> game, and yeah. he definitely got it. Now, the 49ers next week head to Pittsburgh, who uh, did an okay job stopping the run against New England. Not, not really, yeah. uh, but, I mean – put out an average performance despite the New England backfield not being at full strength. I think Kyler, Carlos Hyde's a must-play in all formats pretty much heading into week two. He's earned that right. At yeah, like it, it was probably hel- – it helped uh, Deion Lewis said he was, uh, you know, multi-threat rather than Hyde. I haven't uh, really ever seen him be a pass-catching threat, have you, at Ohio State or as a pro? Yeah, not yeah, not so much. But uh, got to remember that Carlos Hyde also benefited from uh, the departure of Reggie Bush due to oh, a yeah. calf injury. Indeed. So, so that absolutely play came into play. Even Jared Hain got a, a few carries, four for thirteen yards. Not a ton to report there, but with Bush out, Hyde might be the the feature back there, and and you know he could I mean, easily be well on his way to his first thousand yard rushing year. Yeah, you would think after this performance, they're just going to ride him and ride him and ride him the rest mm-hmm. of the year. But yep. who knows? player they didn't need to ride was Colin Kaepernick 17 for 26 165 yards no touchdowns no interceptions uh did run the ball seven times for 41 yards so looking a little bit uh looking pretty good as far as some of the throws he was making and decisions he was making accuracy not the greatest but still plenty of room to improve there his favorite target was Vernon Davis three catches on six targets for 47 yards he was he was actually the top targeted player in that game second most was Anquan Bolden who caught four of five for 36 yards Torrey Smith only hauled in one pass for 11 yards three targets for Torrey Smith uh are you worried about a guy like Torrey Smith now or you just want to write this off as getting acquainted with a new offense maybe Uh, I know he was kind of the highest receiver taken on this team right yeah um I mean Torrey Smith does have a track record of not showing up at times. Mm-hmm. So in his career, he's had 11 games out of 65 with one or zero receptions. Okay. So yeah, and this off. He's, he's he a also deep has, yeah, and he also has 10 outings with three or fewer targets. And those are the thresholds that he met in this game. One mm-hmm. catch on three targets. Yeah. So you're going to get this about three times per year. Just on average, yeah, that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how he trends. So you're gonna have those games where he, you know, goes off and you mm-hmm. know gets 100 yards on four catches, but then he's gonna have these bagels that are just gonna be mind-boggling to you. Yeah, deep <laughs> deep threats like Torrey Smith are, are are notorious for putting up those type of lines in consistency. I know we talked about that a little bit with Martavis Bryant early in the year, kind of being all or nothing. I'm sure there are plenty of comparisons and, out there. And his and his career catch percentage of 49 percent just tells the whole story. Yeah. 
Oh, right on, for sure. Uh, because, yeah, they're generally his targets are risky. Yes, exactly. Right. Okay, so with that, let's move on over to the Minnesota side here. Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Bridgewater, 23 for 32, 231 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. Not the greatest performance, but uh, what might be a little more concerning is Adrian Peterson only carried the ball 10 times, ended up with 31 yards. Uh, not really a, a factor. Well, small factor in the backfield uh, as far as a pass catcher caught three balls for 21 yards on his only three targets uh, I'm not ready to jump ship on Adrian Peterson just yet I think he had a really tough matchup this week are you uh, I think this is more um, I think he was more a victim of an incompetent game plan than anything it didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't seem like the Vikings were very prepared to um, you know actually play in week one here so yeah. it's kind of I I, I, I t- fully expect all day to actually bounce back here mm-hmm. yeah i mean surprisingly the vikings were uh, minus two and a half minus three and a half road favorites for the yeah. opener not a whole lot of people really thought much of the 49ers heading into this year so maybe something to watch moving forward yeah and it was probably due to the 49ers turnover on the defensive side of the ball too with that every everybody thought that the vikings offense would just you know steamroll them but it didn't happen yeah, absolutely not. Now, the speaking of the Vikings offense, I want to kind of talk about how the target shake shook out a little bit here. Mike Wallace and Kyle Rudolph both tied for the team league with seven targets. Uh, Mike Wallace hauled in six of those for 63 yards. Kyle Rudolph, five for 53 yards there. Charles Johnson, someone who was going pretty high on draft draft day he didn't have the greatest day only targeted three times caught two passes for 27 yards there anything really noteworthy here or is this kind of how we were expecting it to play out uh, anyone trending upward downward anything anything that stands out to you I still think Kyle Rudolph has high potential for the season I'm not really all that high on any of the other uh, Vikings so, receivers and it just depends on matchup when it comes to Charles Johnson what was the earliest you saw him going because I feel like I saw him going as early as like fifth and sixth round yeah, he had a lot. He, to me personally, had he was being way overdrafted for someone with two ACL tears, a second-year quarterback, and a team that also brought in Mike Wallace to accompany yeah. guys like Jarius Wright and Cordero Patterson. So go, I, I own zero shares of, of Charles yeah. Johnson. So I, I mean, if if I was considering Vikings wideouts, which I don't, I don't really consider Vikings since you know I'm so anti-Vikings. Sorry, Vikings fans out there. But anyway, um, if I was gonna lean toward one of the wideouts it would have been mike wallace easily just because he's a known entity mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean he's got that and I, I just and i don't know what charles johnson's gonna do yeah that's that's a very good point we saw him on the green bay packers pack practice squad i covered him last year a little bit on the cleveland browns practice squad kind of a hit or miss type player i mean yeah i mean as far as vikings that i own i got teddy ridgewater for a two dollar buy in a dynasty auction that's I'm nice. fine with that. There's a high upside if he if he ends up completely flopping after six eight games. I'm fine just giving up on him sure. and and using that roster spot elsewhere. Unfortunately, didn't get any shares of Adrian Peterson though. I'm still optimistic and 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 wish I would have even despite the week one performance. And then I do have a at least one share of Kyle Rudolph. I I think if you put give him a fully healthy season, he might be okay the rest yeah. of the way out. Yeah, that's the key. As long as he avoids injuries, you know, he can have that maybe mm-hmm. top five tight end season. Yeah, 
Right on. Well, uh, that'll do it for the Monday Night Football recaps. Let's get into the bread and butter of our show here. Uh, we're going to do a free agent focus. Uh, if you listened to the podcast last year with myself and Adam, uh, we basically took it down by position. A couple notes to kind of go over and relay right before we dive in too far. We're going to talk a lot about percentage owned. We use Yahoo and ESPN just because they're considered to be probably the two most popular formats. But at the same time, anytime we say a percentage, it's pretty much going to be percent owned. We check these late on Monday night because I know there's a lot of leagues with instant pickups uh, where there's no waiver period. So the percentages kind of trend in, in the direction that we would expect them to a little bit. So we try to grab an early picture of that. We're also going to make some fab budget recommendations. I know fab's a little bit more common in baseball than it is in football, but I personally like to do waivers on using a fab budget just to kind of give me a chance to, if I really need this player, I can go all out for him. And these fab numbers are going to be based on a standard 12-team league with a $100 budget. So obviously, if you have a $200 budget, adjust accordingly, basically double the price we recommend. If you have a 14 or 16-team league, you might have to shell out a few more dollars to get some of these top recommendations that we're going for. All right, but we'll start with the quarterbacks here. Uh, In my opinion, there's uh, a couple top targets this week, but the one that I'm really going after... Uh, he's probably going to already be owned in dynasty formats, but I was pretty impressed with the performance of Marcus Mariota this week. Of course, from the Tennessee Titans, only threw 16 passes, only threw three incompletions, 209 yards, four touchdowns in the opener against Tampa Bay. He is owned in just 46% of Yahoo leagues and 36% of ESPN leagues. So you've got a better than a coin shot toss that he's available. And if you, uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know if you drafted Peyton Manning and are worried yet, or if you drafted a lower tier quarterback. Uh, I mean, are you shelling out for Mariota? Did you get a chance to claim him anywhere? Well, in my uh, two deepest leagues, which are fourteen and sixteen team formats, he's already picked up. He's already yep. taken. He, mm-hmm. he was drafted actually. So, it, in the twelve team formats, I haven't actually, you know, searched or considered like my roster or, or how my roster is built compared to like, oh, can I? actually take him on am i can i Mm -hmm. am i willing to drop somebody for him right now um i mean one of the things i'm really guilty of is i because i drafted this player i i hold on to the thought that i think i'm right and i'm probably not quick and i don't have a quick enough trigger to drop players and that's one of these things that i'm trying to avoid this year with future uh quick decisions so you might have to you make something that you think is a sacrifice and then maybe revisit that a little ways down the road. So did you, I don't know if you saw this in the aftermath of the game, um, but Mariota actually directed an offense that was really influenced by his time at Oregon. Like they were trying to install like um, a scheme that was, you know, kind of based on his Oregon years. So I don't know if you saw this at all, Um, mostly short um, rhythm based, you know, attack. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he did have that one long, touchdown yep. uh who, who was it to uh Kendall Wright yeah yep you're right Kendall Wright um so anyway like this is kind of similar to RG3's like introduction to the NFL a few years ago mm-hmm. like they were running the Baylor offense in Washington okay. um in my opinion at least uh so trying to get him accustomed to the NFL and get him comfortable with the game um this will probably comp- continue for a few weeks but NFL defenses are really quick to like uh, adjust mm-hmm. so there there will probably be a scheme that will suppress it, and it could be as early as week two. So we don't know if you know this will actually be sustained. Yeah, he's going to have to learn to make all sorts of throws as opposed to those quick tempo-type throws. And he's going to have to obviously 
he started all right, but he might have to fit the ball into a few windows, tighter windows than he did have to week one. Fortunately for fantasy owners or those looking to pick him up, he does head to Cleveland for week two. He does have a road matchup for the rookie, which might be tough, but Cleveland gave up 31 points, I think, to the Jets this past weekend uh, in an absolute blowout of a game. So the matchup is at least favorable for week two uh, if you're looking for that. Moving forward, probably going to have some tougher, tougher teams in this division to play, but I mean, I think he's worth a look, especially. So, yeah. like, you th- you put down a price here of fifteen to twenty bucks. I'd probably stick to the lower end and maybe even slightly lower, f- mm-hmm. uh, lower than fifteen. But if you really want him, yes. you probably have to that, you yeah. stick within that range. Yeah, that's that's you kind know of what I'm saying. Well, yeah, that's what I'm shooting for for him. Uh, to, if you want to guarantee you get him if he's available, if you're you're shot a quarterback or you're really down on yours and you and you want him to start the rest of your season, that's probably how much you're going to pay for him. If you're looking for just a tiny upgrade at your backup quarterback quarterback spot then i'd probably throw it down in the in the 8 to 12 range and, and that would be reasonable yeah indeed all right well let's move on to the other one uh quarterback young guy tyrod taylor of the buffalo bills he's owned very minimally 10 percent yahoo 12 percent espn leagues again as of monday night he had a pretty nice outing in week one oddly enough since castle came out and took the first snap he won't be credited with the official quarterback win win stat for week one but uh <laughs> nonetheless tyrod taylor 14 and 19 for 195 yards one touchdown nine carries 41 yards week one against the colts of course one of those was a 31 yard run can you see tyrod taylor being anything any kind of a commodity in standard formats or do you reserve him exclusively to two quarterback leagues yeah i'm i'm keeping him in the two qb format right now his viability is there mm-hmm. maybe he can bump it up with a few more weeks of sustained success yeah. and the, the fact that he's actually a running quarterback and gets those extra yards in the ground definitely helps out every week yeah. um Right now, in standard formats, maybe you pick him up to act as your backup, and then you he fills in when you know Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck are sitting. Yeah. But you don't, you probably don't want them. You do not want to start Tyrod Taylor in ten team leagues. Yeah, absolutely not. For for a fab dollar with Taylor, I wrote down one to two dollars in yeah. standard formats. You can maybe up it to ten, fifteen in a two quarterback league. Yeah, uh, something like that. I think we can agree on that here. And uh, we're going to continue along with quarterbacks here. These next couple matchups or or quarterbacks that we're going to discuss it's really mostly bookkeeping they're nobody that we would uh recommend owning or starting in a 10 or 12 team format however we know there are a lot of deep formats and a lot of two quarterback formats especially imagine you're in a 16 team two quarterback format then all of a sudden every starter here needs to be owned so we're going to get through some bookkeeping here uh first going to start with johnny manzel the cleveland browns two percent yahoo three percent espn ownership so pretty much available everywhere we got josh mccown dealing with concussion symptoms so he's looking more and more iffy for week two every day he's going to have to clear protocol he took a major shot at the goal line against the jets probably trying to do a little bit too much uh, a little jacked up week one but uh, i mean that that's the play you would expect johnny manzel to perform not you yeah. know josh mccown the veteran yeah exactly yeah <laughs> putting himself in harm's way like that that would be a young a young quarterback move but again they're going to head to tennessee or i'm sorry they're going to welcome tennessee to cleveland uh in week two uh the thing the thing i worry with johnny manzel is i don't think there are enough viable offensive weapons on that team to even to even consider picking him up uh, i mean even if he is starting i just yeah that's it like he has a dearth of skill position talent around mm-hmm. him like you just can't like there's no reason to like have him on your roster at all. Mm-hmm. At least back when Josh Gordon was around last year, you knew Gordon could make plays 
literally on his own or I mean Josh Gordon missed quite a bit of time last year for with his various uh personal conduct and other legal issues not going to get into that too much but Gordon was a receiver with the capability to take a short screen to the house to go deep and go up and get it he was the type of receiver that could make your quarterback better there's there are by no means any receivers close to that on the Cleveland Browns roster right now it's just an undersized aging uh just not a whole lot of upside in that crew and i think if johnny manzel does get the start he's going to struggle mightily yeah yeah Yeah, no doubt yeah right on here uh we're going to move on a couple other quarterbacks that might see some action week two nothing confirmed yet as of right before the show but looking over to houston brian hoyer he was benched in the fourth quarter of that game after a pretty dismal uh performance ryan mallett would be the guy who takes over there anything to add uh as far as Ryan Mallett, or does this mostly well, affect the secondary players? Yeah, there is something to say about Mallett here. Yeah, considering him against Johnny Menzel, Mallett actually has the skill position talent around him in DeAndre Hopkins, Nate Washington, Cecil Shorts, even Garrett Graham. So that that you know boosts your spirits if you're thinking about owning one of the two guys. Uh, what what price though would you pay if they decide to change? quarterbacks bill o'brien that is in houston i think that you can get away with a five to ten dollar bid because people aren't going to be overly aggressive Mm -hmm. on him yeah and this is just in like the deeper deeper leagues right yeah yeah you you hit a 12 teamer if you desperately needed someone uh you know you could throw a couple bucks there but i wouldn't be starting him with a ton of confidence on week to week this his starts would mostly be based on deandre hopkins making something happen in the open field and and getting him some passing touchdowns and, that way. And so if you're setting waiver priority, you're definitely putting Mallet over Manziel. Oh, yes. Yeah, right on exactly. Uh, no. Again, for the weapons reason. And then uh, the next guy here, Matt McGloin, we're like, where does he fit into the picture? Oh, very, very bottom. Um, At the very bottom, <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, <laughs> those Raiders, man, I just, he might have to pass a lot, but. Amari Cooper, man. Yeah, Amari Cooper. Latavius Murray. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's got a couple weapons. I still think Houston's will be better, especially when they get Arian Foster yeah. back. But kicking a couple bucks at McGloin in a two-quarterback Michael lead. Rivera? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come can't, on. can't forget about those studs. Man, our, our Raiders <laughs> beat writer, Clay Link, would be dogging me right now for ripping on these Raiders. Yeah, right. But, uh, again, Derek Carr dealing with a hand injury might be in danger of missing week two. So there's McGloin. There's just kind of your bookkeeping updates there. But, sure. again, if you need a quarterback this year, I'm starting with Mariota and moving down the list. Sure. All right. So moving on to running backs here. Uh had a really hard time going with the order of these so I guess we'll discuss the uh the merits of owning each of these types of guys uh, I'm going to start with Darren Sproles because he seems to be a player that gets kind of taken at the very end of drafts if he's even taken at all and of course he had the second most targets on that Eagles team uh last night with nine targets and even though he only had five carries he led the Eagles with 50 rushing yards he's built obviously very well for the system uh you know maybe a little bit of an aging player 32 is old in running back years at least but he looks like he still has wheels and he is owned in only 42 percent of yahoo and 57 percent of espn leagues so you have uh in some cases better than a coin flip chance of finding him on the waiver wire i like him as a flex spot especially in those ppr formats are you on board eric yeah, I'm I'm definitely on board. On the other hand, the the backs in, in the backfield here, DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews can actually catch the ball as well. They're not mm-hmm. averse to doing that. So, that's the only thing that would I that I would consider when I'm looking at Sproles and be like, mm-hmm. "Hey, is he going to be able to do this con- on a consistent basis?" Yep. Um 
I mean, they're of course going to ride Murray. So maybe, maybe they're just going to scale back Murray's pass catching and make him uh, solely a runner. Who knows? Yeah. As the season goes forward. Yeah. I mean, I I think Sproles can be an acceptable flex spot in PPR formats. And even if you don't plan on, on on rolling him out in your lineups right away, he'll be a good handy player to have on bye weeks because he'll be, it'll, there it's a high upside play, you know, not necessarily some someone that'll get you ten points every week the rest of the, the rest of the year out, but he's gonna get some targets, gonna get a few carries, and if he can convert any of those into touchdowns or punt returns, don't forget about that that aspect as well. Uh, so there there could be some value there. What's his uh, standard league viability? Ten to twelve. Ten to twelve? I uh, are you looking for like money I'm gonna put down on no, it? No, just like would you consider owning him in either of those? Uh yeah, I actually looked in both my twelve team formats. I, I didn't bother in my ten teamer, but I looked in both my twelve. He was uh he was actually available in all three of my twelves. Uh, so yeah. Okay. So uh I, unfortunately I, w- I wasn't able to get him, but looking at those percentage ownership numbers, which uh I believe were pushed a little bit uh, with people trying to add him immediately during Monday Monday night's game. Uh, sure. I, I'd say it's worth a look, and that's why I wanted to lead with him today. Okay. We got a similar type player, uh, a third down back, uh, or what was originally thought to be a third down back, uh, heading over to San Diego. That's Danny Woodhead. His percent ownership is a little bit higher than uh, than guys like Sproles. 51% Yahoo, 69% ESPN. But he's absolutely got to be worth a look here. Very even split in carries with Melvin Gordon. and uh, Yeah, that was definitely unexpected. They both got 12 carries in this game. Yeah, right on. Both carries. And, of course, when you compare the two of them, Woodhead's the one that's going to be on the field on third down, at least in the onset. Do you think this is more of, like, the veteran like helping the rookie ease into the into his first professional game and uh gordon will take on more of the workload as the season goes on Mm -hmm. i do worry about that a little bit but then you know you look at the box score and you watch as much of the game as you can and woodhead found pater twice on the ground 12 carries 42 yards essentially out and he did get the goal line carry too yep so uh you definitely want to watch for that i think melvin gordon had a pretty spectacular effort to get into the end zone where he he was just called down just by a hair I yeah that was what at the five yard line or something his elbow yeah. barely went down yeah <laughs> otherwise he would have been in he, melvin gordon's gonna do some good things this year uh it's just i'm not i'm not by any means advocating benching melvin gordon i think he's a viable running back too probably at this point but i think woodhead can be worth a flex look and if this pattern continues or if Gordon takes longer than expected to catch on in pass protection, and it's something to keep keep an eye on. I'd so, say. so if you follow the you know zero running back zero running back draft strategy, and Sproles and Woodhead are still out there, are these the top two guys you're looking at? Probably um, in my book, personally, yes, those are the top two in PPR formats. And when you go yeah. to standard formats, there's some guys down here that I might like a little bit more. But Indeed. Sproles and Woodhead are my two top targets this week in, in the standard formats. But we're going to get down to some other options here because. Okay. Because, uh, of course, the availability on those guys was a little bit low. So a couple guys that uh, are more available. We'll start with Ronnie Hillman here. Uh, When I checked last night, 31% owned in Yahoo, 47% owned in ESPN. So I actually owned him. I drafted him in one league just Mm -hmm. kind of to watch for C.J. Anderson. And he really outperformed C.J. Anderson they got a relatively even split as far as carries go. We learned afterwards that Anderson's dealing with some ankle kind of toe issues that limited him during Monday's walkthrough practice. Uh, but looking at Hillman, 12 carries for 41 yards as opposed to Anderson, who had 12 carries for 29 yards. Hillman was used just a few times more on on uh, their game-securing drive that Peyton Manning was able to put together here. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm worried about C.J. Anderson yet. I'm, pr- I'm pretty high on, on what he has to offer this year. 
But if we find out, if we're watching the practice reports throughout the week and we find out C.J. Anderson continues to be limited in practice, is Ronnie Hillman a viable start in week two? Yeah, what I like with Hillman this week at least is the quick turnaround. The Broncos actually have the Thursday night game against Kansas City this week. Oh, yeah, that's right. So that, that's that's like the that's a key aspect of this right now. The The fact that Anderson might not be able to get up to speed within three days' time, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Hillman's... Uh, the great candidate to pick up right here and let's see here um so anderson had eight targets in this game um hillman in his career has averaged two targets per game um over the course of those three seasons his first three seasons so he is certainly capable of uh acting as both the pass catching and uh you know workhorse back in this uh mm-hmm. thursday night game yeah, so that's- yeah that, that's why he has to be one of the top options out there. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. Of course, the Chiefs' pretty stout run defense there against Houston. Houston ran the ball 21 total times uh, for 98 yards, but you have to keep in mind that Houston was pass, pretty pass-heavy towards the end of that game yeah. just because they were so far behind. So uh, perhaps there could have been you know 120 to 150 on the ground had the game been a little bit more even. So Kansas City, a respectable run defense, but by no means a top-five run defense. The mm-hmm. short turnaround, like you mentioned, is really going to help his case, especially if uh, C.J. Anderson is banged up a little bit. So be sure to stay tuned in to Rotowire, rotowire.com slash free to check those free 10-day trials. Uh, we do a great job here covering the injury reports, and that's something that you'll be able to get helped out with a lot. So one of our main DFS writers, that's Daily Fantasy um, writers, uh, actually, so that's Jerry Donabedian, I should mention. Mm-hmm. He uh, is actually of the mind that you should avoid the Thursday night games. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, because they're... They can be so volatile and yeah. unpredictable. Mm-hmm. I usually don't do Thursday night games if uh, you know in my contests. I try to. Mm-hmm. I, I usually oh, for the most profitability. I'm setting my yeah. lineup Sunday morning. So then, like, why why are we more apt to actually have them in have these Thursday night players in uh, you know season long lineups rather than you know daily leagues? Mm-hmm. Why why like. I, yeah, it's it's really tough. So we're but, we're willing to like throw him into a season long league, you know, mm-hmm. with the hopes that he, you know, has uh the requisite output to actually, you know, produce a win for us, but then we don't want to have him at all in like, you know, the daily. Yeah, that is that, that's very interesting. Uh, uh something, something I hadn't really even thought bit. about it before yeah. now, but mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean just looking at the season long, I think Picking him up now, his utility doesn't necessarily end Thursday night daily. It's a one and done. Sure, and but just you, overall, the ownership on Thursday yeah. and having to spread your lineup across a couple of days, and sure. especially in daily, man. If you, I guess it works the same way in season long. But if he, I don't think this is going to happen to him, and I think he'll he'll get at least a ten point fantasy day in standard formats. Yeah. If I had to actually predict it. But, you know, say one of those guys does get a, uh, a goose egg or something like that. Not a goose egg, but, you know, a five or less point performance. You're pretty much shot winning, yep. and it's a whole lot less exciting on Sunday. So I think the emotional aspect <laughs> has some has something to do with it with users right as well. On. All right. Well, let's move on with the running backs here. A few more to go over. Actually, a pretty deep waiver uh, content for running backs. But I'm going to combine these next two together and defer over to you, uh, Eric, because we've got Andre Ellington in Arizona dealing with a uh, sprained PCL. Doesn't seem to be all that serious, but could miss one to two weeks' time. And we've learned already from Ellington's history in the NFL that he's been a little bit fra- fragile. Now we've got two players in Arizona set to take over there. Uh, Chris Johnson, of course, you know, 
first round draft pick five years ago everyone remembers cj2k and that blazing speed there yep. and then we've got the younger uh maybe more nimble i guess we'll see I'll, I'll let you decide that but david johnson david johnson's ownership is actually a little bit higher than chris johnson's he's owned in 21 percent yahoo 37 percent espn whereas chris is only 11 and 11 percent respectively there so david johnson's already owned but the carries in week one david johnson didn't get a single carry chris johnson got 10 of them bruce arian seems to be behind chris johnson but david johnson did uh catch one of his two targets for a 55 yard touchdown making yep. salvaging the day for any fantasy owners in desperation that needed to use him how are you assessing this running back situation are you putting a bid in on one or both or are you waiting and seeing so i'm going to preface this by saying that um coach bruce arians actually said it, there is a potential for ellington to practice by the end of the week okay and if he does practice say on friday which would be probably the earliest he can mm-hmm. that there's a chance he can play in week two okay so you gotta maybe keep that in the back of your mind when you're considering mm-hmm. these two but i think because they picked up chris johnson in the offseason to you know boost their depth that they're actually going to keep Ellington out of harm's way and make sure he's healthy before he actually plays. Mm-hmm. So considering that fact, I would actually lean toward Chris Johnson over David Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, so after Ellington left the game with 11 minutes remaining, Chris Johnson actually had seven runs for 30 yards, which is a 4.3-yard per carry clip, and that's totally acceptable. Before that, he had three for seven, and because – probably because he wasn't the focal point of the offense. Maybe that was the reason he couldn't produce on that on those carries. But anyway, uh, I, I feel like Johnson is actually going to get the bulk of the carries, and Johnson's going to be the change of pace option. Chris we, Johnson, bulk of carries, David Johnson, change of pace, right? Yes. Okay, just want to clarify. Did, that I, for, did I say David? You, you just said Johnson and Johnson. Sorry. S.E. Johnson. Right on. Johnson too, and too Johnson, Too many Johnsons man. in here. Too many Johnsons. It's really tough to write updates for uh, the Cardinals right now. Oh yeah, all the you have to you have to constantly say like Chris, David, Chris, and you never we never use first names when we write updates. A loss, Chris Johnson, workhorse, David Johnson, change of pace. Yep, I see and a very it, similar way. I think uh, if you need a back just for week two, yeah. you take Chris Johnson. If you need a back rest of season, then you probably go after David. Johnson. Oh yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with that. Um, did he have two targets or was it one target? I thought it was just one target, but oh, I thought I saw two targets, but I could have been looking at a faulty box score yesterday. Uh, um, he only had, I believe, five snaps in the game. Yeah, David so Johnson. That's a little bit concerning. So, yeah, obviously that's going to boost up because they like to, you know, have some balance in their backfield, mm-hmm. and we've seen that over three years. Yep. Uh, they had Rashard Mendenhall and uh, you know Ellington last year. They had just Ellington and a poo-poo platter of running backs. Yep. Uh, at least this year they have the depth where in like Chris Johnson can head a backfield. We've seen him do it plenty of times. Yeah. So yeah, week two, Chris Johnson's a guy. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. And uh, just one last thing to keep in mind before we move on to the la- next couple backs here. They're heading to Chicago, so it's going to be a great matchup. The weather will still be pretty nice uh, in the yep. Midwest this time of year. Of course, Eddie Lacy had a pretty solid game against the Bears on Sunday. So. Uh, one of the worst run defenses, I think you could say safely, in the league even this early on in the season. So uh, there'll be plenty of upside to get one of these guys in your lineups. I think Chris Johnson would be an excellent DraftKings play personally. Oh, yeah. All right. So a couple more running backs to hit on. Uh, 
these guys are at the bottom of our list for a reason, so we won't spend too much time on them. But it's worth noting that Benny Cunningham, uh, he's correlated directly with Trey Mason at the St. Louis Rams. Mason was inactive. Uh, of course, Gurley expected to kind of get eased in after missing about a month. Benny Cunningham had a decent game against the Seattle defense, 15 carries, 45 yards, pretty bad average, but also had four catches on seven targets in the passing game for 77 yards. He... Uh, Again, he, I think his value directly correlates with Trey Mason's value. Um, and then another guy who's who's kind of in a similar boat, Deion Lewis, uh, very similar ownership. Both of them were only owned in about 15% of both ESPN and Yahoo leagues. Deion Lewis had a pretty nice game. Uh, Thursday night, 15 carries, 69 yards, four catches on five targets for 51 yards in the opener. But just a quick warning on that, LeGarrette Blunt's suspension has been lifting, so Blunt's going to be back in the mix here. Uh I guess if you had to take a coin toss to fill out your roster with Benny Cunningham or Deion Lewis, personally, I don't like either of them as a start. But is there anything to find here, or can you, or can you kind of move on unless you're in a 16-team format? When considering these two formats, uh, it's more about the daily lineup situation rather than season long. Because yep. at least you can make the game-time decision, get Cunningham quickly into your lineup if mm-hmm. he is playing or if Trey Mason isn't playing rather because yep. then you know he's going to get the bulk of the carries mm-hmm. um but yeah you, you, you have to lean toward Cunningham and when it comes to Lewis he did the worst thing that you can do as a Patriot he fumbled yep. in Thursday night's game and we know coach Belichick mm-hmm. does not like fumbling you could I could totally see LeGarrette Blount just taking over the entire workload. Yeah. I mean, who knows with the way Belichick runs it, maybe Deion Lewis won't even be active after that fumble. <laughs> that's a, like, that's that, a great that's, point. We joke around about that, but we've seen this play out for years, and, yeah. and our NFL editor, Mike Doria, kind of gives us a Patriots play-by-play, yep. and uh, he could just not play. Yeah. Yeah, that could He could very well, that could be enough to get it on Belichick's bad side. Well, one, so. one interesting, you did watch Thursday night's game, last Thursday's yes. game. So after that fumble... Lewis did have one or two more touches, mm-hmm. but it was kind of spread out amongst the running backs rather than like Lewis was getting all the touches like he was the earlier portion of the game. So mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. I don't I don't really want to touch Lewis mm-hmm. at all in week yep. two. One last quick running back note, D'Angelo Williams of the Pittsburgh Steelers, as long as we're on that Thursday night game. He had 21 carries for 127 yards uh, week one against uh, the Patriots. He should enjoy at least one more game as the feature back here with Le'Veon Bell suspended. Uh, now, again, he is facing San Francisco. Very tough run defense that's shut down Adrian Peterson on a Monday night. Maybe Todd Haley and the Steelers offense will have a better game plan there. But I would still say D'Angelo Williams is a safe RB2 uh, for next week. Rest of season, not so much, which is why I'm not going all out on a fab bid. He is owned in a lot of formats, 37% of Yahoo and 67% of ESPN, just to kind of keep you updated there. Mm-hmm. Well, fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week one, DraftKings will be hosting the biggest fantasy football contests ever, giving out $10 million in prizes. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE to play free for your shot at $1 million in cash prizes in the Week 1 Play Action Contest. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Well, Eric, we're going to move on to the receivers portion. Uh, A lot of important receivers that I think are going to have a major impact the rest of the way out, and week one's your chance to jump on those guys. And I'm going to start uh, up here in Packer country with uh, James Jones. Of course, uh, 
four catches, all four of his targets are, I'm sorry, I think he had a few more targets than that. I might have miswrote that. But uh, four catches, 51 yards, two touchdowns Sunday against the Bears, used very, very heavily there. Uh, there's obviously optimism that a wide receiver three in this Aaron Rodgers-led offense can have a huge day. And, of course, James Jones, as, as many of us know, is familiar with the offense. He's a big-time red zone target for Aaron Rodgers, and some of his extra targets that weren't converted uh, were red zone targets as well. So is he the top option this week, or are you looking elsewhere? Uh, I don't actually think he's a top option, but he's uh, on that tier. He's definitely in the you know first wide receivers you consider uh, putting a bid for or picking up outright. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's it's not fool's gold either. He has you know the rapport with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. He has a fourteen touchdown you know campaign on his ledger in two thousand twelve. So he could very well be on pace to something similar, even if he doesn't get the, you know, targets that a normal wide receiver one would get. So I think the biggest ramifications here are Devonte Adams, maybe being more, maybe you should temper your expectations a little bit with regard to his potential output this season as a, as a second year pro. When we initially thought he was just going to break out because Jordy Nelson isn't here. Yeah, I saw too many drafts where Devontae Adams is going in the third or fourth round. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, us being up in Wisconsin, we don't get to take these Packers at, at a reasonable average draft position. Yeah, exactly. If we want a Packer, <laughs> we have to reach for it. I actually looked, and James Jones was owned in three of my leagues already before mm-hmm. before anybody even knew. And these weren't even first-come, first-serve waivers. These are waivers that don't process until this evening at midnight. So yep. the fact that he was owned across all places limited my chance to get him, but I could very well see uh, uh, a 15 to $20 fab bid, uh, especially if you're in 14 or 16 three-wide receiver leagues, or yeah. if you own Devonte Adams and are looking, oh, shoot, I better have an insurance plan. Yeah, for sure. Right on. Another receiver I want to look at today is uh, Terrence Williams of the Cowboys. Didn't really expect this at all, but he's owned in 57% of Yahoo and only 45% of ESPN leagues as of last night. So I'm, I'm really jealous when I hear that because I checked every league, yep. all four leagues, varying uh, 12 to 16 team leagues and Gone. taken an all. Gone everywhere. So uh, we just want to mention that it, it's worth a look there uh, because... That, that's the guy you go for. That's like the game week. changer. That's the game changer. You're, you're going all out. I, I You know, on my first thought was I wrote 20 to $25 down, so a quarter of your be... bad budget or fab budget. You might have to spend half of your fab budget if yeah. he's available. You want to lock this guy down because he'll be at least a wide receiver too because of the Des Bryant injury. Now, he was Des was originally expected to miss four to six weeks, but the recent fear after he got his screw put in, I saw eight weeks, I saw 10 weeks. It's a really variable timetable right now, and Bryant's kind of one of those cowboy tough guys, but... Williams is going to be the wide receiver one in this offense until Des is back, yeah. and that's that's big news. And if the Cowboys decide to put him on short-term IR too, I think it's week 10, the earliest you can actually play. Ooh. So that that means for ha- over half the season, Terrence Williams is going to have potentially the most targets among, you know, Cowboys pass catchers yeah and Terrence Williams gave a lot of people looks last year but he showed the ability to take the top off the defense and yeah he the just the volume alone should get him uh, to be a solid fantasy and producer just one more factoid when it comes to Williams mm-hmm. uh, among the wide receivers drafted in 2013 he actually already has the most touchdown receptions at 13 among any wideout draft in 2013 
Wow. Okay. Well, that, that was just like a random thing I saw on Twitter within the last day or two. Okay. What about guys like Cole Beasley, Devin Street, Lance Dunbar, their third down back, Gavin Escobar? Do any of these guys value rise a little bit just because of the Des Bryant injury? Worth taking a look on. Uh, we didn't talk about Dunbar in our running back section. That actually got a little bit long on us. But uh, maybe Cole Beasley, I think, for me personally, a couple bucks could be worth a look. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to Beasley, he's going to be the what, like – um, what what type what type of receiver would you call him? He's a secondary option. He's not overly quick, but he seems to have decent hands and yeah. an all right route running ability. I did cash in when he had two touchdowns in uh, a Thursday game last year, uh, just picking him as a cheap receiver, line of differentiating options. So there's potential there, but I'm not overly high. Yeah, it's it's tough to call him a possession receiver in the vein of like you know. Wes Welker in the past or Julian Edelman now or and even the fact that the Cowboys have Jason Witten he's their possession receiver exactly so it he's probably gonna have hit or miss performances yeah if you want to throw out a few bucks and try to get him and Mm -hmm. hope you know he uh, produces every once in a while for you but it's probably not going to be consistent I think the consistent guy among the remaining guys we haven't talked about is actually Lance Dunbar and that's more so due to the fact that we had no idea how the running back reps were going to play out Yep. Among you know the available guys with Joseph Randall, Darren McFadden there, and Dunbar is a clear third down back. Yeah, exactly. So um, with Des gone, like you know there is volume. It got a whole lot less predictable. Is yeah, what happened exactly. Here. Yeah. So maybe so, keeping an eye for a J- week or two. There's a chance Beasley yeah. will be available in advance of week three still. So yeah, outside of Jason Winton and Terrence Williams, like you're just going to have to take away and see approach and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Now, what about Stevie Johnson from the San Diego Chargers? He's another receiving option that was owned in high percentage of Yahoo, 64%, only 29% ESPN. Now, I check these at the same time. I'm completely like befuddled by these discrepancies sometimes. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, maybe maybe Yahoo has more PPR. Maybe ESPN has different waiver options. There's a lot of different theories that I've played through okay. my head. But regardless, uh, the availability is there in a lot of formats. Six catches, 82 yards, one touchdown Sunday against Detroit, who uh, you know had, we think of as having a formidable, formidable defense. Heads to Cincinnati for week two. Is Stevie Johnson a, a wide receiver three in most formats? I guess when it comes to those percentages, I feel like from past seasons playing on both Yahoo and ESPN, like Yahoo kind of has a Stevie Johnson bias. Like they always really like him, and he's always higher than you expect him to be in the wide receiver rankings. Okay, so maybe that's the reason, like, why he's owned. Like maybe if you're like doing auto draft, like the. Yeah. That software makes, just automatically picks them for you. Yeah. Know? If you're higher Stuff on like their that. preseason rankings, especially so, yeah, for week one. That that would be the best explanation for that. But I do really like Stevie Johnson a lot, and it's because of the guy opposite him. Uh, Keenan Allen went for 15 and 166 yards and 17 targets in week one. Yeah, crazy. Like the opposing defenses are going to be owning in on him, I think, a lot. Mm-hmm. And that will, I guess – probably clear things up for Stevie Johnson to actually make more of an impact on a weekly basis, and especially with Antonio Gates out. So it's coming down to Ladarius Green and Stevie Johnson. Like, who do you like among those two? Uh, I mean, it depends if your league lets you flex a tight end or not, so I think that has a lot to do with it. But, I mean, you seem pretty high on him. Uh, Say Terrence Williams isn't available. Would you say Stevie Johnson's the the top pickup for this week, or is he still coming, waiting in the the wings? Considering the fact that, you know, we live in Wisconsin and James Jones is probably gone already, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'd probably put him as the guy 
outside of Williams and Jones, but I'd lean toward Jones. Yep. And I didn't see a whole lot of Stevie Johnson availability this week uh, just when I was looking through leagues, but a guy that I did place a couple bids on uh, is Dante Moncrief. I, at least I, I threw a huge bid down in Dynasty format and another uh, modest bid in, in just a single season redraft format. Dante Moncrief from the Colts, uh, 12% of Yahoo, 31% of ESPN leagues. Always got to follow the targets. 11 targets in week one. Of course, the Colts had a lot of playing catch-up to do against the Bills, but turned that into six catches for 46 yards and a touchdown. And the real question here here will be the availability of T.Y. Hilton. He's dealing with an injury. There's there's not a whole lot of information on that right now, but I've seen anywhere from he's considering day-to-day after a knee bruise, but I've seen anywhere from this is very serious to this is not very serious, anywhere from two to six weeks. Of course, check for Roto-Wire. We'll get you, when they're practicing this week, we'll get you all yep. the exact information. But Say T.Y. Hilton does have to miss a handful of weeks, uh, then Dante Moncrief essentially becomes the number one receiver in Indianapolis there. And you've got Andrew Luck throwing you the ball. You've got a team that struggled to run the ball historically. Uh, so by default, Moncrief should be getting a lot of these targets, right? Yeah. So going into the season, he was listed number four mm-hmm. on the depth chart. Uh, Moncrief, that is. Uh Philip Dorsett, right? That's his first name. Anyway, yep. yeah, uh, right. he he was listed as the number. He, it, they outright said he's the number three receiver going into the season. Yet the breakdown of snaps among the wide receivers was Hilton with fourteen, Moncrief with eleven, Andre Johnson with ten, and Dorsett all the way down with three. Mm-hmm. So if, yeah, if Hilton misses time, maybe that there will be some balance with Moncrief and Dorsett rather than. Mm-hmm. Moncrief outright getting the number one or the you know majority of those wide receiver yeah. reps. I like Dorsett's prospects long term. I think he'll still have a little bit of an adjustment period. Yeah. If you have a deep bench, go out and grab Dorsett or if you're in a dynasty format. But Moncrief is arguably just as good of a play in a dynasty format. And I think Moncrief provides you with a lot more immediate help. And I was I was aggressive. There was a league where he was available and where I already happened to own Randall Cobb, Golden Tate. Keenan Allen and Jarvis Landry I drafted receivers really well for some reason in that league and I still put a bid down on Moncrief because I'm now all of a sudden I'm looking to trade one of those top receivers get myself an RB2 from a position of strength obviously exactly that I sorely lack so uh, then it doesn't matter trying to be specific with a picky trader because you've got four viable options that that you can choose from and you kind of set your price there so yeah I'm bidding on him wherever I can out of all these receivers He's the only one I was able to find available in a my lot leagues. Of, man, okay. So uh, I, I could very much make the argument that Moncrief is uh, the top target. And our, our own Kevin Payne, who writes our waiver wire uh, column here on Roto-Wire, again, if you want to check that out, go to rotowire.com slash free. But he is the primary target listed first. I don't know if the listing order matters. Him and Terrence Williams are the targets. But according to Payne, Moncrief's the primary target. And uh, for me, you know... I, I'd look to some of these other guys like Williams and Jones first, but but if not, I mean, he was the only one that was available for me. So if you think about it, um, Aaron Rodgers' last poor for, poor performance was actually the last month of last season in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Like they that defense just throws wrenches at you that you don't expect, and you know there are unexpected outcomes as a result. Yep. So maybe this high target. Uh, uh, Moncrief receiving a ton of targets in week one is maybe like potentially fool's gold. I don't want to say it is, mm-hmm. uh, but the fact that he was listed as the number four wideout makes me wary, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'd say that as soon as T.Y. Hilton's confirmed out, 
Moncrief's yeah. a solid wide receiver three in, okay. in, in, in most formats. That's where I'd put it. And there's there's upside there. It's not just like a bare minimum oh. wide receiver three. There's absolutely some upside there. Okay. So that, that's, that's how I like him. Uh, a couple more names. I just want to run through a little bit quickly because we're getting long on oh. time and still have some good ones to go through. Yes, One sir. last thing. When it, they're playing the Jets in week two, yes. Antonio Cromartie is dealing with a knee sprain. Okay. That's absolutely worth watching. So 100%. <laughs> That that kind of changes my tune. I just like saw the matchup and realized you may want to yeah, go out there and get him. Yes, I I am dropping just just some examples. I'm dropping Corey slash Philly Brown for Moncrief. I'm dropping um, who else was it? I dropped Cody Latimer for Moncrief. Uh, just just kind of the scale of players that Brashad Perriman. I dropped for him. Who's gonna be? He might be out for a little while. So there's there's a handful of players just to show. Okay. You know, potential drop options if if you're looking here. A couple other guys worth looking at are Tyler Lockett and Jermaine Curse uh, of the Seattle Seahawks. It's really tough in Seattle because Russell Wilson will spread the ball around to whoever's open. So a lot of it's going to be what the defense gives you. Lockett available or owned in 31% uh, of Yahoo, 20% ESPN leagues. Jermaine Curse, who actually outperformed him quite a bit, um, he is uh, only owned in 2% of Yahoo and 3% of ESPN leagues. Jermaine Curse led the whole team in targets with 10, ended up with 8 for 76 there. Are you waiting to see how this plays out, or are you trying to jump on any of these guys early? Yeah, you, you made a decent point about Wilson you know, spreading the ball around. On the other hand, he actually attempted 41 throws. So there was a lot of volume out there for every pass catcher in Seattle. So mm-hmm. it, it's when they get back to you know a more balanced offense, uh, I, I I think Jimmy Graham is going to be the only guy that's really viable to own, and then yep. uh, to a lesser extent Doug Baldwin. Mm-hmm. And then when it, I don't I don't really want to touch Lockett unless I'm in a league that includes you know return yardage, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, or. I kind of like to lock it in a little bit of a dynasty format. I'm, oh, in, I'm in a 12-team oh, yeah, dynasty sure. format, yeah. and I look to check on his ownership just to see because that'd be worth a bid anywhere from 0 to 10 in a dynasty format because you could very well keep him in a similar price next see. year. But I couldn't. Uh, he was already owned for me. Yeah, I'm not yet in like a dynasty league, so it's hard to like you know have that mindset of, oh, what I can should I go out there and try to get a guy like that, you know? Yeah, I, I had to make a tough <laughs> call in my dynasty format. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't want to give too much. I don't think anyone's listening from my league specifically. <laughs> but uh, anyway, okay. I'll, I'll just give it away. I dropped Cody Latimer for Moncrief, and I like Latimer's long term potential. But he didn't <clears> even get a target in Week One, and Manning's not looking good to me. So I figured mm-hmm. if I want Latimer back, I can get him for a buck or two down the road. Whereas Moncrief sure. at you know, I don't know ten, eleven dollars, whatever I bid for him, maybe even more than that. I think I might have up the ante there a little bit after rethinking today's podcast and the show. Yeah. But Moncrief uh, could absolutely be a keeper anywhere less than $15 in our $200 budget. So For sure. I, I just like to go with that. But uh, let's move on. Last receiver real quick I want to touch <laughs> on. We talked about him uh, in some of our depth chart shows, but I really like Brandon Coleman. Uh, he was tied for third on the entire team with seven targets Sunday against the Cardinals. Finished with four catches for 41 yards and a touchdown. I like where he stands at 6'6". I think he'll take some of those red zone targets that Jimmy Graham used to take. Uh, I can't stress these points enough. Uh, and I think he could be a decent wide receiver three moving forward. Um, started him in a 12-teamer one week when I had to because of Mike Evans. And I might continue to do that until I've got a fully strength core. Yeah, and I also want, I want to see like see what kind of 
output Coleman puts up when Brandon Cooks isn't covered by Patrick Peterson. When Peterson was covering Cooks on Sunday, mm-hmm. he actually only caught one ball among okay. his uh, four, I believe, and it was for 30 yards, which is significant, of course. But the other three times, you know, Cooks was well covered and didn't haul it in. So when there's not like that, um, you know, um, I guess – defining cornerback in the league on the opposite side. Mm-hmm. I want to see how Coleman does because yeah. Cooks will him. actually be, you know, yeah. wide open and Breeze will probably just be firing in the ball practically every play. Yeah, I could very much see that happening. So maybe a wait-and-see approach, and he's owned in a lot of my leagues, but I could very much see a bench upgrade for a couple bucks there yeah, if you wanted yeah. to look there. Uh, let's move on to tight ends, where it seemed to be the week of the young tight ends. Uh, I'm going to start with Austin Safarian Jenkins. He is owned in 60% of Yahoo, just 24% of ESPN. I'm going to come right out and say that he was my biggest bid this week, and that was in a league where I already own Jimmy Graham and Zach Ertz because I can flex the tight end, and I just want to build strength and get the best players available right sure. now. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and bid Austin Safarian Jenkins uh, in the 25-30 range pretty much uh, wherever I can. Uh, unfortunately, not a lot of leagues I can, but mm. I, he's my top pickup for tight end. You look, you look for his name first if he's available. Now, granted, some of that production was in garbage time. Some of that production can be attributed to... Mike Evans not being on the field, <clears throat> but I think Jameis Winston has found himself an early favorite target. Physically, Safarian Jenkins is good to go. I mean, are you on board with that? Yeah, so the last few weeks of this podcast, I was saying, oh, they're going to ride Doug Martin and you know take the pressure off of mm-hmm. uh, Jameis Winston. And I but bought it, into that as well. It, but it looks like they're actually, like he's found like a safety valve in the passing game instead, and it's Safarian Jenkins. And, you know, as long as Mike Evans is out, you're right, like he... He seems to be the top pass catching option, right? Yeah, I, I would agree. I with mean, that. even though Vincent Jackson had eleven targets versus seven for Severian Jenkins, uh Severian Jenkins was, you know, blew him away in terms of fantasy output. Yeah, especially and he was probably in a lot of winning daily lineups on DraftKings this week. And I just I mean, Vincent Jackson really underperformed considering the eleven targets, only caught four for fifty one yards. Yeah. And guys like Lewis Murphy's not even on this box score right now. Adam Humphrey's got a couple, Richard Shepard. Not interested in any of those guys if Evans has to miss another week. Safarian Jenkins, I'm absolutely interested in and uh, mm-hmm. putting bids in the twenty five thirty dollar range, especially if you punted tight end on draft day, which is very easy to do if you don't get one of the top guys. It's time to spend. If you punted tight end and need someone the rest of your season, I could see spending a third or more of your budget on a guy like Safarian Jenkins if he's available. If yeah. he's not available, two guys I like to look at: Ladarius Green, Jordan Reed. I think Jordan Reed has more long term potential. Ladarius Green. You know, I think should be owned in dynasty formats, but the max of his production is going to be before Antonio Gates gets back in week five. Ladarius yeah. Green owned in 21% of Yahoo, 7% of ESPN. Jordan Reed, a little bit higher ownership, 56% Yahoo, 32% ESPN. You looking to bolster your rosters with any of these guys, Eric? Yeah, and I like Green a lot. The only thing I'm worried about is the volume because guys like Keenan Allen are just going to take up a vast majority of Phillip Rivers' throws. And then you have to uh, scale it back to Stevie Johnson and then consider that Danny Woodhead is a viable pass-catching option out of the backfield. So then he might be the number four option at the moment, even with Antonio Gates out, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah, right on. And I think uh, – <laughs> whereas, whereas Jordan Reed, like Deshaun Jackson, is out for three weeks, three go. to four weeks. And every single tight end that was somewhat viable actually got injured – 
for the season or mm-hmm. got was ruled out for the season during training camp. Mm-hmm. So he's a clear cut tight end in Washington. I guess the quarterback situation, no matter who it is under center, maybe isn't the most desirable. It's not Philip Rivers throwing it to you, but you know, yeah, maybe, maybe just maybe just the fact that he'll get have more volume than Green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just recap of the stat lines: Green five catches for seventy four yards and a touchdown. We look over to Jordan Reed. Seven catches on 11 targets, the most frequently targeted option in that offense. Seven catches, 63 yards, and a touchdown. So maybe leaning towards Reed a little bit uh, a little bit more, uh, especially because of the whole season-long potential there. Looking at that depth chart, they don't have a whole lot else to offer yeah. at that position. Green's a decent short-term plug-and-play fix. I don't think his price will rise enough on daily websites yet that you could still get him with some room for profit there, but I'm not worried about Derek Carrier or Anthony McCoy behind Jordan Reed in, no. in, in Washington. And so, so I would rank him Safarian Jenkins, Reed and Ladarius Green. Unfortunately, that's also how their availability shakes out right now. <laughs> I think they're all viable options, some longer term, some not, but moving on from tight ends here, we always like to take just a couple minutes at the very end of our waiver wire show to uh, pick out a kicker and maybe some defenses that might be, might be a valid option for next week. Um, for me, I don't even look at the player specifically. I look at the conditions surrounding them. Um, later on, when we get to the snowfall stages, I like to go through and list the kickers that are going to be kicking in a dome that at least have some uh, viable availability. Sure. So I like to look at dome. I like to look at altitude. And for that latter reason, really like Brandon McManus, who had a huge day. We both owned him in daily this week, yep. which uh, it's always nice. I, I hate having kickers in daily, but at the same time, I do I do love it when my kicker gets me almost 20 points. Uh, yep. But yeah, Brandon McManus of the Denver Broncos only owned in 19% of Yahoo, 59% of ESPN formats. He hit field goals of 57, 56, 43, 33, and then tacked on an extra point. Um, normally, I wouldn't recommend spending any of your fab money on a kicker, but if it's someone that you can use the rest of the season, if you completely punted it at draft day, like I do in every draft, um, <laughs> could you? Could, would you spend a dollar or two to get McManus on your roster? Yeah, most definitely. Um, it, as you uh, you know mentioned a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, you know, doesn't look like the Manning of old. That offense looks like it's going to sputter, mm-hmm. um, as you mentioned here, um, and that means that. Even if they get into opponents' territory, they don't seem likely to actually get you know uh, many red zone looks. Mm-hmm. So that means potentially longer field goals for McManus. Yeah, and, and so, the altitude definitely helps. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's the fact that you can even consider attempting fifty six, fifty seven yarders instead yeah. of going for it. There's very few squads that can do that. Uh, a lot of offensive weapons in Denver banged up a little bit right now, so that's not helping Manning's case sure. uh, too much. I don't want to jump to overreaction city. Also, don't want to say I told you so. I just I have zero shares of Manning this year because I thought his ADP was was way too high for me. Sure. Um, do I think he's going to have his fair good sh- fair share of good games? He'll have some four TD games and whatnot, but there'll also be yeah. a lot of games where that offense stops and McManus kicks four field goals. So I'm liking him as the kicker this week but that's enough time to talk about kickers i'd say let's uh (laughs) i'm just gonna run down the top five added defenses on espn this week again this is as of late monday night um ownership was pretty high here but carolina panthers they are playing at home against houston next week that quarterback situation makes them an intriguing plug and play option if 
if um, you know you stream defenses every week like myself. Cincinnati Bengals number two. They played pretty well week one. San Francisco 49ers. Uh, of course, they're gonna they're gonna be at Pittsburgh. I don't really like that defensive matchup on the road against the high powered offense. Even if they are lacking Le'Veon Bell. Green Bay Packers week two. Uh, they got the Seahawks at home. National TV Monday night. Somehow the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense rounded out that list as number five. Don't touch them. They're going to New Orleans week two, and, and there's no so, way I'd ever touch that. So this defense isn't on the list, but what about the Titans against the Browns yes, in I was, Cleveland? I, I wanted to bring that up because that's also who our own Kevin Payne mentioned oh, really? as the, uh, as the okay. defense pickup for the week. And he basically implied in his article that you're going to follow the Browns offense as much as you can. The Crowell looked disappointing. Even with that awesome offensive line, their running game looked very disappointing. Dwayne Bowe didn't even play, and I'm not worried about him even when he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hartline, of course, had a nice one-handed catch, and it's nice to make the highlight reel, but not much production to find there. Andrew Hawkins at five foot nine is probably their best receiver option, who is like a wide receiver four or five in PPR formats to me. So not not, not much to get excited about there. So another uh, you know team to, I guess, focus on and maybe pick up the defense that's going against them is Jacksonville, right? Mm-hmm with uh, Blake Bortles on her center and not the most accurate yeah. even in a second year. So Miami is playing Jacksonville and I know like Miami is kind of considered one of the elite defenses, yes. but I was able to find him like available in one of my yeah. four leagues um, before week one and toss yeah. him in there. Yeah. If I saw the dolphins were available, I'd be picking them up everywhere right now. Yeah. To me, I think they're a top five defense heading in and the addition yep. of uh, Ndamukong Sue, who's apparently not people be suspended <laughs> for that whole deal. Yeah. That's a whole nother story to talk about. We'll get yeah. into that another time. Maybe we're a little just pressed on time here, but uh, yeah, sure. the dolphins are top five defense. I actually went ahead and, drafted a defense with my third to last pick in one draft because that's how much I like the defense you won't see me doing that very often (laughs) right on so yeah but if you have to stream an option Tennessee should be available everywhere and whether it's Josh McCown or turnover prone Johnny Manziel uh they're gonna wreak some havoc they're gonna get some turnovers and probably an amenable price in DFS formats too yeah, right on. Right on with that. Uh, I think Titans will be my my DFS defense in in just about every contest I play because they're going to be minimum priced. I don't like to shell out for those, but there's absolutely value to find there. But that'll do it. Thank you for listening to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code RotoWire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out RotoWire free for ten days by going to RotoWire.com slash pod that's rotowire.com slash pod once again i am jake latarski and you can find me on twitter at jakeski 52 and over here it's eric aturi and you can find me on twitter at etcat30 all right nick and mike will be back with you wednesday for an in-depth injury analysis